0: Hello, my name is Malik Rahbani. I play Jasser in the movie Jasser, and I'm very, very happy to be here today. And I would like you all to watch Follow Your Dreams with Robert Miller.
1: Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream Podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream Podcast with listeners in 200 countries. I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is Amin Hashem, a Lebanese American superstar operatic and crossover tenor. He has been a leading tenor in operas and musicals, as well as concerts and recitals on the world's most prestigious stages across the United States, Europe and the Middle East. And he was recently named one of the best tenors today and a tenor who can sing anything. And in the middle of this episode, as I do with all my musical guests, Amin and I are going to do what I call a song fest. I've asked him to send me a handful of his best works, we'll listen to a bit of them, and you'll get the backstories. and nobody else does this in podcasts. And you also know that in every episode, I like to feature a song of mine underneath the introduction and at the end, and I always try to make that song relevant somehow to my guest. And in this instance, I've chosen as my featured song, The Gift, Juliet's Song. It's a love song that I wrote to celebrate the birth of my oldest granddaughter. I call it a jazz pop ballad, kind of my crossover song, so I thought it would work. So Amin Hashim, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast, baby. Hello, hello.
0: Thank you, Robert. I'm so happy to be doing this with you.
1: Well, that makes two of us. And, you know, we were talking about this before, but I'm going to mention it now. Amin is in Lebanon as we speak. I'm in the United States, of course. But the connection is so good. The picture is so good. It's almost like we're in the next room from one another. Isn't that great when technology works?
0: I know. I, I love it. We kind of have to thank the pandemic for that, oddly enough. It's true. ever heard of Zoom before the pandemic? I know. I know, we kind of up their game.
1: So tell me a little bit about this. I wanna know about your background because you have a thoroughly American accent, but you're Lebanese American. Where did you grow up?
0: So I was born and raised in Lebanon, in Beirut, Lebanon. My father lived a big part of his life in the US. So we were automatically naturalized in Lebanon. And then, so my life is divided into three stages, I would say. The first stage would be living in Lebanon, getting up to to high school, I would say, and then studying at the conservatory, going to Europe afterwards, studying opera and finishing my piano studies and theater as well, uh, Germany and Italy. And then afterwards, I decided to, you know what, I should reboot my career and go to the United States. So this is like kind of a long story short, because I started singing at a very young age in Lebanon. So I had a very lovely career as a uh, young tenor. And I sang crossover music, operatic music, and even rock and roll. All right. Hold on. I, I want to hear about all of
1: this. But tell me about this. I would not have thought of Lebanon as a hotbed for opera. And I assume it's the Western kind of opera that we're talking about. How did you get into opera? when you were in Lebanon
0: well i wouldn't say it's the hotbed for opera but um it's the hotbed for so many things it's like think of beirut as the new york of the middle east or the paris of the middle east or i mean it's been named so many different things and given so many adjectives because of its location it's the eastern mediterranean so as you know the mediterranean people are very um friendly and warm and open to other cultures and sailors and things like that so it's kind of a melting pot of different cultures so that's why i was exposed to all of these genres of music um and my father um is an amateur musician and also multiculti and he exposed me and my brother as well to all of these different genres and the reason why i sing Classical music is because my major education is in classical music. I'm a piano classical pianist, and I studied a bit of composition too. And my I've always wanted to sing. There was nothing else I wanted to do really. So my voice lends itself to my soul wanted to sing classical music, but at the same time, my major, my first. Uh, music crush was, uh, was on Elvis Presley, so <laughs> copying him as I was uh, uh, as I as I came of age. So um, hold on a second, did you do a little
1: Elvis tribute kind of thing in Lebanon as you were growing up?
0: Oh yeah, I, they used to call me uh, Elvis of the Middle East.
1: Love me tender in Arabic or something? Is that the deal? Uh, no, no, no,
0: all in English. I, okay. I I started singing Arabic at a later stage in my life. I've always sung in different languages, mostly in English, Italian, French at the beginning. But uh, later on, I decided, you know what? I am Lebanese and I'm fluent in Arabic. I should be singing Arabic music too. So ultimately the language won and I did it.
1: (laughs) You know, this is what's great about music. I mean, there you are in a completely different place, a completely different culture. But Elvis Presley traveled all around the world, right?
0: Oh, yeah,
1: 100%. What about the Beatles? Were you into the Beatles as well?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But see, the thing is, I like people who... I preferred solo acts growing up okay, uh, rather than bands um, because I could relate more to, 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 the, to the front man, so to speak, you know, to the okay. singer, the performer. And I related more to people who... I had similar traits to, for instance, like bigger voices, uh, ballady voices. Rather, The Beatles, I've always had an appreciation for the Beatles. I love them, they're my favorite bands, but I never wanted to say, they, they never influenced me. I appreciated them as a musician. Do you understand what, Like the, the difference?
1: Yes, I do. So tell me who were the individual singers that you loved?
0: I adored Elvis Presley, Frank Sinatra, Tom Jones, Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, Tony Bennett, James Brown, um, Nat King Cole, Aznavour in France, uh, to name a few really, I had so many, I, I, I was in love with so many titans and giants of the industry. My big love was Elvis and Luciano Pavarotti, really. In the, in the beginning. And then as you dig deeper, as you try to learn the truth, the more you, like, you know, then you follow the heritage, the Italian school of singing, and then you find out about Caruso, about Gigli, Corelli, then Monaco, etc. The list goes on. So, um,
1: yeah. I mean, you have this interesting background, okay? You're exposed to everything. There had to have come a point where all of a sudden you reach that crossroads mm-hmm. and you said, I'm really going to lean towards The classical and the classic tenors, like the Pavarotti's. When did that happen? How old were you then?
0: You're absolutely right. I was 18. I was in the US. I was with my father. We went to an Elvis tribute concert in Chicago. And uh, this was my 18th uh, birthday gift. And um, I liked the guy. He was fantastic. He did a beautiful uh, Elvis impersonation, but I thought to myself, this is not me. You know, I don't want to be doing this. You know, I'm I wanna be singing as Amin, as Amin Hashem, not as an Elvis Presley impersonator, you know. So that 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 was a defining moment in my life. Um I don't think I made up my mind. I mean, I didn't voice my opinion, but I think I did make up my mind then you know and um as i said i started at such a young age performing Uh, i was a natural tenor so i used my natural talent but because of my classical background in piano i always knew that i had to hone my craft i had to work on it if you want to be a tenor professionally you have to work your you know neck off so to speak in order to get to that level so um I was kind of postponing it, but you know when you transition, when you're like 13, your voice changes. I was kind of a male uh, soprano or mezzo growing up, and then my voice started changing because of puberty, and it started gaining girth and warmth and stuff like that, and I became a man. So, but from the the age of 13 until 16, you just you're not supposed to sing as a male because you could damage it professionally, because you could damage your chords. And and I did have somebody tell me that, and I um, didn't take it lightly. So I started singing professionally at the age of, uh, my second phase was the age of 16. And uh, I was using my raw talent. But then I thought, you know what, I want to take it to the next level. So and then I did the trips, went to the US, watched that show, etc. And then I decided to go back to Lebanon, finish my studies and then go to Europe, and then stage three would be the United States again.
1: Well, you know, from a layperson's standpoint, the tenors are like the rock stars of the operatic world. I mean, you're competing against such great names out there. Did that ever intimidate you, that you were entering into that strata?
0: I wouldn't say intimidate me. It excited me. It still still does excite me. Um, The more I learn about my... Favorite tenors or tenors in general, the more I feel like, gosh, it's just it's crazy, it's wild. It's it, I have so many tenor friends, and we're all on the same boats. We're all like we're all we're all rooting for each other because it's a crazy animal. It's uh, you're like the if you like soccer, you're like the scorer. You're like the you're like the guy who's scoring all these goals. Yeah, you're the rock star. You're it. And people, and people wait for these moments. And if you don't score, then you're booed. You know, you're people don't, people are not, they expect too much of you. So um, I don't know if I would call it intimidation, but it, it sure as hell is scary. But then when 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 the nerves, you shouldn't let them take over. That's why you train as, you know, you train so hard in order to overcome that fear, to gain confidence. And mind you, you could lose that confidence the next month because your body changes, right? If you catch a cold, you might, you might not recover quickly. Your voice might not be in shape, you know, quickly. So there are so many variables to singing. Sometimes you have to be a monk. Other times you have to be, just diligent and stay away from people, even though I'm a social animal. I, you know, I, I try my best to like be a hermit every once in a while when I have like long shows and things like that. So it could be frustrating, intimidating, uh, scary, but all the while exhilarating because there's nothing, there's no greater feeling than when everything lines up together and you're just doing it and you're in the zone. It's worth it, man. It's really worth it.
1: I can't imagine. Do you need to take days off, or can you sing multiple days in a row to to protect your voice?
0: It depends. If it's an opera, you you could do a couple of shows back to back, but then you should you should you you do need to take some time off because it's like athleticism. Really, it's it's like you're a uh, an athlete uh, competing for on Mount Olympus, right? You can't you shouldn't be doing it every day. You train every day, but when you perform. You should always think about the the, uh, the adrenaline rush that go through your veins, and you need some time to cool off after that. It's not just about the strenuous uh, act of singing; it's what happens. It's it's the, the what what people give you. I mean, I'm talking about myself. I'm not talking about uh, what one should do in general. I would never give advice unless I'm a hundred percent sure of the. You know the individual in front of me, or what he or she are doing. You know what I mean. Rather than just give a universal advice, I'm just talking about my experience. I wouldn't get tired after a show. It's the exact opposite. I would be so wild and and like you know feel like just feeling like I I'm on top of the world, and I need time to cool down. So, So there are times where I can't sleep because of the adrenaline so that's why it's wise not to do back-to-back shows because if you're really conditioned to sing on a daily basis then you can do the job you know what i'm saying like there's it's the difference is very subtle uh broadway singers perform every day but they don't interact with people every day they don't like when they're done just drink with them and, and you, you need to distance yourself. If you're, if you're performing, if you're touring, then you have to be careful. So it's an eight show thing per, per week, whether it's you're touring or whether you're singing opera, you have to be careful. You could do it, but it's best to rest.
2: All
1: right. Talk to me about this whole crossover aspect of things. Why and how did you decide to go in that direction? There's one other person I've had on the podcast, Georgia Fumonti. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's also a classical crossover singer. Uh And so she goes back and forth between the classics and I'll call it popular music. Is that what it means to be a a crossover singer?
0: Um, Yes, it is. So it it depends really on this. So crossover me, it's like the bridge between classical music and other types of music so it, it doesn't necessarily mean pop, it doesn't necessarily mean it could be all of the above so you're just crossing over from one genre to another, to another. Elvis Presley was a crossover singer because he sang different genres he sang gospel, rock and roll uh, ballads, etc so he was considered as a premier um, crossover singer
1: okay, I'll think of him in that way now, I never did before yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is Robert Miller, your host. I've just released a new EP called The Singles Project that features five of my new songs. I'm pleased to say that the recording has gotten wonderful reviews. It's been called amazing, magical, fabulously enticing, a home run, and a sonic tour de force. How about that? The songs speak to the ups and downs of life, from the blissful, joyous Saturday morning to the darker commentary of like never before and the ship. Several reviewers said the songs show me exposed and vulnerable, and you know what? They're probably right. See for yourself. The songs can be streamed on Spotify and all the other streaming services. And you can check out all of my music at the Project Grand Slam website. The links are all in the show notes. As always, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast and to my music, and keep on rocking. All right, listen, let's go into the second part of this interview, because I want people to hear some of your singing because it's quite remarkable. And you sent me some tracks, and I I love the tracks. The first one that we're playing now underneath my voice, I'm going to mispronounce this probably, Abbalati, Abbalati, am I close enough? Yeah.
2: Oh, abbalati, abbalati, femini schette maritati,
0: e sin abbalati, <laughs> buono, non vi canti, non vi sono. Abbalati, abbalati, femini maritati, e sin abbalati, buono, non vi canti, non vi sono. Shoo, 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 quanti femini,
1: tell us about that one
0: if you want it to be more italian it's abbalati abbalati it's a sicilian tarantella um the concept behind it was to so this song i don't know if you if you've heard it before have you ever heard it before? It's it's an ancient.
1: I have yes, but I don't know if my audience has heard it before. So tell us about it.
0: Nobody really knows who composed it. It's one of those traditional Sicilian songs, and Sicily in general is very similar to uh, Beirut. It's very similar to Lebanon, so it's a melting pot of the, the melting pot of the Mediterranean of the Western Mediterranean, and Lebanon is the melting pot of the Eastern Mediterranean. So I've I've always thought of them as quite similar and I wanted to combine the different sounds. So in the, in the, the middle part, you will hear uh, the tablet instruments, the percussive instruments that are mostly used in the Eastern Mediterranean. <music> and uh, it really came, came naturally to me to combine them together. And uh, the music video that we filmed was, was filmed in Lebanon, in different parts of the Eastern Mediterranean. And my brother and I uh, won the best music video award in New, at the New York Film Festival and in Rome. So um, there's nothing more to be said. I, I just would, I would, I, I'm hoping that the audience would love it.
1: That's pretty cool. All right, let's go to the second one. This is called Beirut with the Lebanese Philharmonic Orchestra to
2: Beirut From سلام
0: لبيروت
2: وقبل للبحر لصخرة كأنها
0: Tell
1: us about that one.
0: Yeah, so Lee Beirut is initially the melody of Lee Beirut was um, by a composition by uh, Joaquín Rodrigo, a great Spanish composer from the 20th century. Actually, one of the best classical composers. Um, what he did was he composed it for uh, uh, a good guitar. It was a concerto for guitar, and that was the third movement. So it gained so much traction back in the day, and towards the mid, mid-century, I would say. And a lot of uh, people decided to chop off the, the, the melody of the third movement and put lyrics to it. And they sang it in different languages. And Joaquin Rodrigo hated that for such a long time. And he tried to fight it off. And the more he fought that battle, the more he lost. And he was like, you know what? I give up. You want to sing it, you pay me royalties. And it was sung in numerous languages, like even Japanese, Arabic, French. I'm not sure about English, um, but Spanish, Italian, you name it. And in the... Early 80s, during the height of the Lebanese Civil War, our Lebanese diva called Feirouz sang Le Beirut.
2: Min qalbi salamun le Beirut Waqubalun Lil
0: And it was really refreshing for people to hear it. I mean, the the lyrics are so sad, but Beirut is adored by the Lebanese and the Levant, the whole uh, Eastern Mediterranean area. And they needed her voice for reassurance. And in 2019, when Lebanon was going through another turmoil, I decided to sing it again. And I rearranged it with my music director, Brian Holman. And we sang it with the Lebanese Philharmonic in Lebanon, and uh, it was such a touching moment for me because it meant a lot to me first to to do it for my people, and it meant a lot for the people hearing it again in a different different uh, context.
1: And I hope that the uh, the author of the piece enjoyed his royalties as well.
0: Yes, yes, I hope so too.
1: All right, let's go to the third one. This is, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this, but in English it's called Dark Eyes, which is, and it's a live in New York kind of a track. So tell us about that.
0: Oh, yeah, this one. So Dark Eyes is called Ochichony uh, in Russian. It's another language that I sing in. I love Russian and Ukrainian folk music. This one is also the, the version that they're going to listen to is a, f- a fusion of styles. I always try to incorporate my the Middle Eastern sounds that I grew up listening to with Western sounds. So I did this piece in New York the first time. And people loved it. And it became kind of a signature song for me. So I've been doing it with big bands, with orchestras, and uh, with small bands, too. And I hope your audience will love it, too. All
1: right. That's all very, very interesting. You know, you, you have such range to everything that you do, which is what makes it so interesting to me. Because so many people, particularly musicians, are kind of single genre. You cross the board, which is great. All right, last one. This one everybody knows. Funiculi, funicula. Tell us about that. Oh,
0: yeah, that's a, a quintessential Neapolitan tarantella. It was composed by Luigi Danza uh, in the 1800s. It's one of my favorite songs, really. It's about the funicular. Uh, the funicular, you know, is, is the car that's on cables, car that goes up the mountain, right? Exactly. And uh, they composed that he composed that song when they uh, inaugurated the the first funicular in Napoli, which goes all of, from the town of uh, uh Sorrento all the way up to Mount Vesuvio. Mount Vesuvio is the volcano in Napoli, right? So it's a very fun song and it talks about the funicular, it talks about you know how Neapolitans are. They love life. They love the sun. They love their mountains, their beaches, and things like that. And it's very festive.
1: I love that song. Da da da, da 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 da.
0: There you go. We just sang a
1: duet. I like that. All right. Tell us what's in the future for you. What are you doing next?
0: So I was touring in the Middle East, and I'm leaving. I'm going back to New York in the fall. And uh, I'm touring in, I have a couple of shows in New York, and then I go to Texas, touring in Texas. And then afterwards, I start prepping for my Christmas season. I'm going to be, one of the highlights of my Christmas season would be lighting the Christmas tree in New Jersey, which is something that I've never done before. It's in New Brunswick. And uh, the mayor and the governor are going to be there. People from out of town, from from New Brunswick, from all over all over. Jersey, it's a very it's one of the highlights of my of my year, and then I'm going to be singing at the New Brunswick Performing Arts Center, my Christmas show, uh, my Christmas special, and then in New York on December fifteenth at the Kaufman Center, my Christmas special, and it's called Christmas with Amin, a global music tale, where I'll be singing different songs like classical Christmas stuff, rearranged my way i would say and i would be mixing them with uh, opera jazz latin american pop classical eastern european folk and arabic influences i hope you're going to be in new york around this time around that time so if you are you are my guest my guest of honor
1: boy i appreciate that this has been a fabulous interview we've been talking here with amin Hashem, who is a remarkable singer Based in Lebanon at the moment, but all over the world, singing all kinds of songs. I want to see you work in an Elvis Presley song to that presentation, too. That would be very cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, usually, I usually surprise my audience uh, with an Elvis tune.
1: <laughs> see that? I kind of figured it out. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's just fantastic to have
0: you on. Robert, it's been a pleasure, really. Thank you.
1: All right. We're going to listen now to that song of mine that started off this episode. It's called The Gift Juliet Song. I want to thank you all for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band at ProjectGrandSlam.com.